Our first scripture comes from the book of Genesis. I'm not going to give you much context. We'll hear more about it in the sermon itself. Just to know that this is a story about Jacob. May God add a blessing to the hearing of this holy word. The same night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the river Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then the man said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But the man said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. And from the book of Matthew we hear, Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever wrestled with God? Oh, I know you probably say, sure, I, I wrestle all the time. But do you, do you mean that you wrestle with the concept of God or is that you actually wrestle with God? It seems a little bit absurd to think that we could wrestle with God. We might ask these questions, is there a God who cares for me, a God who has a bigger plan, a God who knows what is going on in this world of ours, a God who can make it all right again? Wrestling with these questions, though, is a very different thing from physically wrestling with the Lord God Almighty. I mean, it's a little bit absurd. Just think about it. Picture this puny little body here wrestling with something as vast as a galaxy. Then picture a billion galaxies. Then picture something more vast than a billion galaxies. Going head to head, mano a mano, with a flying elbow here and a scorpion death lock here and pile drivers, uh, drivers and leg drops galore. Wrestling with God is a pretty serious business. I may not have ever wrestled with God in this way, but I did wrestle with this sermon. I knew weeks ago what part of the Lord's Prayer would be mine to preach on this week. And yet when it came to writing the sermon, I found myself wrestling with the world more than the Word of God. 
There is so much going on these days. I found myself asking, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I mean, Michael. I found myself distracted, unable to focus because the world's troubles right now seem insurmountable. And how exactly does a little, such a polite and safe prayer as our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. How does such a prayer make any difference? Yesterday, I was at home and the sermon wasn't flowing. So I thought I'll head up to church on a Saturday morning when there's no one there, except for, I heard her laugh, except the office was full of people, all trying to catch up on work that they thought nobody will be around, I can get things done. Uh, You don't see me. We all kind of closed our doors and pretended we didn't see each other. Well, anyway, when I was driving up here, and usually it's a nice quiet drive, I can listen to music. For some reason, I listened to the news instead. I don't know why, because usually I'm looking for, at this moment, I was looking for an escape from all the world's distractions so I could write this sermon on the Lord's Prayer. And what was on the news? Here's a list of the stories as they occurred. Mexico's journalists hold truth to power and lose their lives for it. Restrictive abortion law goes into effect in Texas. Arizona nurses are burned out as, they, as the state faces another COVID surge, remembering the life and spirit of Elijah McLean, who died as a result of police brutality. California fires ravage communities and Hurricane Ida's remnants devastate the Northeast. Climate scientists saw it coming. Chaplain David Sparks comforted military families for decades, and now he's retiring trying to escape the the distractions of the world so that I could write a sermon wasn't working so well. There is so much going on that that, that each and every one of us could really be asking, are you there, God? It's me. State your name here. When we do this, we've begun the process of wrestling with God. As we wrestle with the world, we wrestle too with that which is vaster than the cosmos itself. It's been done before. It's a game, it's a match, but a serious one in which we might end up wounded and with a new name. Now, do you know the story of Jacob? We heard a bit of it today, but Jacob's story covers half of the book of Genesis, 25 chapters. And it all starts with his mother, Rebecca, when she was pregnant and she was having twins. And the children struggled together within her. And Rebecca said, if this is the way it is to be, why do I live? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her time came to give birth, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red and all his body like a hairy mantle, and so they named him Esau. And afterwards his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so that he was named Jacob, which means he grasps grasps after that which is not his. His. 
And the story unfolds from there. Jacob tricks, later on, Jacob tricks his brother Esau out of his birthright and his blessing. And Esau is furious. And so fearing for his life, Jacob flees into another land and he goes to live with relatives. And along the way, out there in the desert, Jacob falls asleep and has a dream where there is a stairway up to heaven and there are angels descending and descending and the voice of God says to Jacob, know that I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. And Jacob woke up and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And if God will be with me and will keep me in the way I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Then at the home of his uncle, Jacob falls in love and he wants to get married, but he too is tricked and he ends up with four wives. That's a longer story. We don't have time for it now, but... <laughs> He then in turn tricks his father-in-law who tricked him and ends up with a massive herd of sheep and goats that he brings back to the land where his brother lives, the brother who hates him. And this is where our passage picks up today. As Jacob approaches the land of his brother Esau, he sends ahead of him everything and everyone he has with him as a peace offering, hoping to placate his brother's wrath. Jacob, the schemer, the planner, the supplanter, the one who has grasped after everything, is now empty-handed, and he is alone, or so he thinks. The story is told in a very straightforward way, without much explanation, no flowery language. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. We don't get to hear about the pile drivers and the elbow drops and the scorpion death locks. We know, we don't even know who this man is. We get nothing. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him in the hip socket. And Jacob's hip was, out, was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the man said, let me go, for it is day, the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Why does this wrestling match have to end before daybreak? Will the man turn into a pumpkin when the, day, when the sun's rays reach over the horizon? Why does Jacob ask for a blessing? Is he feeling guilty for having stolen his brother's blessing? So the man said to him, what is your name? And Jacob said, Jacob. And then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God. There's not a word we use very often either. Striven. You have striven with God and with human beings and have prevailed. So did Jacob wrestle with a human being or an angel or with God? He's been wrestling with human beings since he was in the womb. And he's been wrestling with the cares of this world for a long time, not knowing that along the way he's been wrestling with God all the time. And then Jacob asked the man, please tell me your name. Because this is how the game goes. I tell you my name, you tell me your name. But the man simply says, 
why do you ask my name? And doesn't follow the rules of the name game, but he blesses Jacob. We have so many questions about this story that will not get answered this side of the veil of tears. But what we do here is that Jacob, the imperfect one, the scoundrel, wrestled with the perfect one, the blessed, and was blessed. And in seeking after the name of God, he found himself, though wounded, with a new name. The God who promised to be with him in the midst of all his struggles and his wrestling with the world gave him the divine gift of grasping not after the world, but after the divine name, wrestling with a holiness vaster than a billion galaxies. This is the name game, to wrestle with the world, to grasp after the name of God, to risk wrestling with the Lord God Almighty and end up blessed and get a new identity. And this exactly is what's going on with the Lord's Prayer, believe it or not, at least for today. When we utter the words, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, do we even know what we're getting ourselves into? What did Jacob think was going to happen that night alone on the plain, awaiting the monumental consequences of his action that divided his family to come crashing in on him? Was Jacob even a praying man? We don't know. Before the man showed up, did Jacob say, hey, listen, you up there, up there in the sky, I don't really know who you are, but uh, you once showed me a stairway up to where you are and folks coming up and going down and you said that you would be, be with me, right? Well, look, I'm in a world of trouble and uh, I sure could use your help about now, God. And by the way, what's your name again? And God showed up. Somehow, the story is a bit of a mystery but isn't every encounter with God a bit of a mystery? We know of another man who sat alone in a desert garden, wrestling with the world and wrestling with God, whose night of wrestling and the day that followed would forever change him and change the world. He prayed and prayed to God and the words of his prayer that we know are, Father, if you are re willing, remove this cup from me, but, but not my will, but yours be done. This man was Jesus. This is the same Jesus whose disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. What they didn't know was that what they were asking was, Lord, teach us how to wrestle with God. The disciples' question doesn't come up and appear just in a vacuum. The world in which the disciples lived was in deep conflict. For several hundred years, the land they were living in had been divided, conquered, and ruled over by others. They lived under the dooming clouds of occupation. Violence breathed itself out all around them. 
This was the political situation, and religiously they were a house divided against itself, faction upon faction, vying for its share of territory of holiness, striving after birthrights and blessings, wrestling and wounding each other in the process. We live in a dangerous world, in a dangerous time. We are a house divided, Jesus. Teach us to pray. So Jesus lays down the rules of engagement with God. This is how you wrestle, I mean pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now last week, we started our series on the Lord's Prayer. We got as far as the word hour. <laughs> Dr. Abram West took us to that point to say this is about us. It's a common prayer and we're all implicated. We're all involved when we pray our Father in heaven. And he sets the stage for us as we approach God to wrestle, to be wounded, to be restored, to be empowered to live the daily life that God has set before us. This is our daily bread. What we learn from Jacob's story is that the God of heaven, the God the way up there in heaven, indeed interacts with human beings in a, and descending and ascending as upon a cosmic stairway in the form of ministering stewards. And this God of heaven promises to be with us. Now when we pray, hallowed be thy name, what are we doing? We don't use the word hallowed very much, as we heard earlier in our children's moment. We only hear it here in this prayer and sometimes when people talk about the hallowed halls of government or academia. But what does hallowed mean? And you'll see in that word cloud in your bulletin, the word hallowed is connected to a lot of other words we use in our language. It can mean whole. It can mean holy. It can be, it's connected to the word healing, health, and hail. And what are we praying? What we are praying is not, okay, God up in heaven, your name is holy, but our, commonly heavenly, our common heavenly Father, let your name be considered holy throughout all the earth, throughout the cosmos. Let the heavens tell forth the glory and majesty of your name. Hallelujah. May the name of the Lord be praised. The only problem is, and I realized it only this week as of preparing this sermon, is that God doesn't really have a name. Think about it. Let your name, let, your, let holy be your name, except what is the name of God? The whole Bible begins with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we're not told who this God is or even what a God is. We just hear, in the beginning, God. Okay, you might say, I know God's name. I've been to, I've been to Sunday school. God's name is Jehovah. Or God's name is Yahweh. But that's only part of an answer. Those two renderings of the name of God come from the Hebrew letters. Here's your, here's your Sunday school moment. Y-H-W-H. You throw in some vowels and you get Yahweh. Isn't that God's name? Scripture has an answer to this one. Think back to that time when Moses met God at the burning bush. All right? And God said, Moses, go back to Egypt and tell my people that I'm coming for them. And Moses says, ah, oh, 
okay. And who should I tell them sent me? And God says, I am. Tell them I am sent you. Those letters YHWH could mean I am. I will be who I will be. I have always been. I am. The scripture is letting us know that God doesn't have a name. God just is. Now, many of our Jewish, the Jewish folks are wary of getting anywhere close to saying the name for God, not even saying God or Lord. Many Jews will say Hashem, the name. May Hashem bless you and keep you. May Hashem make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May Hashem turn his face toward you and give you peace. That is, the name bless you. The name shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The name grant you peace. What I love about this when thinking about the Lord's Prayer is that we are left with a puzzle with which to wrestle. God, let your name be considered holy, except we don't know what your name is, which may be a good thing. Because if we knew, if we really knew your name, O oh God, perhaps we'd make an idol of it and we'd force everyone to conform to what we think your name is and we'd just keep on grasping after what we think is ours and lose hold of you in the process. What we are saying is, God of the cosmos, who relates to us as a parent, you are holy, whole, and healing, and may the world know this to be true. We continue to wrestle, and as we strive after knowing who this God is and how this God descends to bless us and to make sense of this world, this occupied world, we continue to strive after the name of God. And so doing, we might just end up with a new name ourselves, a new holiness. As I was trying to escape the trials and tribulations of this world just for a little while so I could write this sermon, the world came marching right in, occupying my thoughts, my heart, and time. And I wrestled with bringing the word from the Lord of heaven for us today on this, tr on this troubled earth. I heard a story on the radio. The story had a title, Chaplain David Sparks con con comforted military families for decades and now he's retiring. The interviewer was Scott Simon. He interviews this military chaplain who has seen far too many draped caskets come home over the last 40 years. And in this last week, receiving 13 servicemen this way brought back a flood of memories of loss for so many surviving family members. David Sparks, the chaplain, said that he's had his heart torn out way too many times. The most important work, though, he could do for grieving families is to listen to their stories of their lost loved ones. And most importantly, he will miss the opportunity to sit by family members and hear their stories. Scott Simon, at the end of the interview, this whole interview, he asks this question. Do you see the hand of God at work in what you're doing? And our chaplain responds, absolutely. Both in the lives of those I've been able to touch over these years and my own. 
I think I'm a better man and a better minister for these years I've spent. My faith is much easier for me these days, believe it or not. I grew up in a kind of closed system where everything had its right answer, whether you understood or believed it or not. I've come to a much more open relationship with my God. God smiles at me a whole lot more. In the old days, I feared God would flick me off the earth if I failed him. And now I know we have a loving God who accepts us just as we are, even with our failures and foibles. David Sparks has wrestled with God. Repeatedly for the last 40 years, praying with families who have lost beloved family in the midst of the world's conflicts, divisions, and disasters. David Sparks, caught in the middle of the world's chaos, wrestled with God and discovered a new name for God. Love, acceptance, healing, a new name for himself, beloved. The Lord's Prayer sets the parameters of this wrestling match that is a pattern for prayer. Pray this way. Do not worry saying what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. For it is the nations who strive after all these things. And indeed your Father in heaven knows that you need these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. The Lord's Prayer is a pattern for wrestling with God in the midst of the world's conflicts and chaos. In wrestling with God, strive after righteousness and holiness and healing and wholeness and recon reconciliation. Strive for the kingdom of heaven to be reflected here on earth, and in so doing, we will learn God's name, which is healing, wholeness, holiness itself. We will wake from our dreamlike state and say, surely God is in this place. And we will learn our new name too. Beloved. This we know in Jesus Christ, the one who wrestled on our behalf who was wounded on our behalf and blessed us in the name of God who made heaven and earth. Amen.